So with the nativity costumes returned from school and back in the box, in our case, the carol services, the concerts, the sing-alongs attended, the Christmas parties enjoyed and in some cases survived, the Christmas decorations, lights and music in their fourth, if not their twelfth week, the advent calendars are completed you would be forgiven to think that this Christmas season is drawing to a close. But there is still one candle to be lit, one very big meal to be eaten, stockings and presents to be opened. What C.S. Lewis, Lewis calls the Xmas rush is nearly over. Advent is nearly over. The waiting is nearly over. Tomorrow we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And that is what Christmas is all about. Or is it? It will not be news to anyone who knows me well that I have not always looked forward to Christmas. Perhaps it is the intensity of it all that Kim spoke of last week. Or maybe it's because grief feels heavier when there's someone missing from the Christmas table. And then last year, amidst my usual rant to Manny about how I think that Christians, we've got the whole thing wrong. Christmas is not where it's at. Easter is where it's at. That the world has it wrong too. They celebrate the wrong festival. God showed me a picture. And this was it. I've got it here. There is actually more to Christmas. Christmas isn't only about the nativity. It is also pointing forward. It is also about what happened then, what happens now, and what will happen in the future. Or as Charles Dickens puts it, Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. Let's present to you. In Isaiah 9, we read these words. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We ponder these words as we recall the sweet baby that lies in the manger. The truth is that he was not only a sweet baby lying in a manger. He was Emmanuel, God with us. The whole reason for Christmas is the crossover of the natural and the supernatural, the mystery, the wonder. The word became a baby that grew up to be a man who died and rose and ascended into heaven once more. The God that created the world flung stars into space, saw what had become of his world. The Garden of Eden was a distant memory. Israel, God's people, had got themselves into a bit of a mess that they couldn't get out of. Jesus' birth launched God's rescue plan. We see it in the stars. The angels proclaim it. God came down from heaven, and where he was, heaven and earth joined. God's kingdom was being established in what Jesus did and what he said. 
And when the baby grew up and started a short public career, Jesus the king did not do as other kings did. He did not lead a violent revolution to overthrow Rome as the Jews had expected. As Isaiah said, he came as a prince of peace. He spoke of love, forgiveness. He changed hearts. He healed people. He celebrated and feasted with sinners and on the Sabbath. He ushered in the kingdom of God and where he went, heaven joined with earth. Where he went, the material world was being transformed. There were signs, wonders, healings, food stretched to feed thousands, fish multiplied in lakes. The storm stopped at his voice. And Jesus proclaimed God's priorities. God's love overflowed from him and his concern for children, the sick, the weak, the vulnerable, the sinners. He showed the world that it had a new way to live in love, reconciliation, healing, and in hope. And yet Jesus had to fulfill his ultimate calling to defeat death. He died on a cross, not to rescue people from this world for a faraway heaven, but in order that God's kingdom may be established on earth as it is in heaven. He rose, Tom Wright puts it, at the beginning of a new world that Israel's God had always intended to make. He ascended into heaven in the fulfillment of Daniel's vision in Daniel 7. Jesus, the king, is enthroned in heaven, the heaven that he made accessible to all. And so we could end it there. The king is back on his throne. Death has been defeated for those who believe in him. Stories have been told. But then we look around at the mess of this world. We look at our own lives. We look at those that we love, those that we do life with. And we know that we are not living where what happens in heaven is what always happens on earth. And now the arrow points us forward once more to the future and to what the Bible tells us. It tells us that there is a final scene. That Jesus as king will reappear and on the same day heaven and earth will be joined together and heal this broken heart, broken world and make it perfect again. And God will reign on earth as he does in heaven. As Isaiah puts it, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. We sometimes call this the second coming. And without that, Tom Wright argues that Christianity is a private spirituality with a vague and uncertain personal hope, but no prospect at all of a world transformed by Jesus, healed, judged, put right, transformed. And we wait for this in humility. As to what it will look like when heaven and earth are joined together, we have examples in Jesus' actions and teachings. We also have a vision that John, one of Jesus' disciples, had, which makes up the last book of the Bible, Revelation. These words are Sally Lloyd-Jones' retelling of the vision in the Jesus Storybook Bible, which we often use in Vineyard Kids. She ends this particular passage with this. And Jesus the King says, Look, God and his children are together again. 
No more running away or hiding. No more crying or being lonely or afraid. No more being sick or dying. Because all those things are gone. Yes, they're gone forever. Everything sad has become has come untrue. And see, I have wiped away every tear from every eye. And then a deep, beautiful voice that sounded like thunder in the sky says, Look, I am making everything new. And we could end it there. Jesus will reappear. The kingdom of God will rule forever. Heaven and earth will be together. Complete. And God will again enjoy his creation with his people. But this is where the arrow points again. It points now and it points to us. Now, right now, today, 24th of December, 2017, Christmas Eve, between Jesus' ascension and his return, where is the kingdom now and how are we to live as followers of Jesus? Next, next, next. Not like that. As we've seen, Jesus' birth ushered in the kingdom of God, but it's not yet complete. We know that right now, between the king then and the king future, God's will doesn't always win the day. Satan is still evident, and humans, just as Isaiah said, are still choosing to turn their own way. But where we see the kingdom breaking through, we can rejoice. We can rejoice where we see healings, lives being changed, and we can grieve where we don't. We looked at this in Vineyard Kids in the summer in our series on being a kid of the kingdom. And it's what in the vineyard we call the now and the not yet. C.S. Lewis in his essay, The Grand Miracle, puts it like this. To be sure, it feels wintry enough. But often, in the very early spring, it feels like that. 2,000 years are only a day or two by this scale, A man really ought to say the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago in the same spirit in which he says, I saw a crocus yesterday. Because we know what is coming behind the crocus. The spring comes slowly down this way. But the great thing is that a corner has been turned. There is, of course, this difference. That in the natural spring, the crocus cannot choose whether it will respond or not. We can. We have the power either of withstanding the spring and sinking back into the cosmic winter or of going on into those high midsummer pomps in which our leader, the Son of Man, already dwells and which he is calling us. It remains with us to follow or not, to die in this winter or to go on into the spring and that summer. And so we come back to this question of waiting that Advent is all about. As Lily suggested on the first Sunday in Advent, waiting is a verb. As we wait for the return of the King, we need to be actively waiting, allowing him to work through us, to be his voice, his hands, his feet on this earth, ushering the kingdom of God. 
Jesus in his short career showed us God's love. Where he was, heaven and earth were joined. And many wonderful things happened. But it didn't stop there. Jesus told his disciples in Acts before he ascended, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He is telling them how the kingdom's to come. It's to come through them, that the Holy Spirit will be poured on them, where the kingdom of God will break through just as it did with Jesus. And if you read on an Acts, it does. The signs and the wonders, they continue. So this is where we as the church have a task. To continue the work that Jesus started. To declare the kingdom has come. To pray for our nations, governments, enemies, friends, family. To hold the governments and ruling powers to account. Speak up for those without a voice. Speak up and out against injustices. Look for ways to proclaim the good news, to demonstrate the good news by calling on the Holy Spirit to heal the sick, cast out demons, offer radical forgiveness, extend compassion, deliver the oppressed, share meals with our friends, stand up for people in the playground, provide Christmas presents for those without, feed the hungry, help people into work, Be the person that someone has that only proper conversation with that day. We may look in our own lives and out into the world and see a mess, but the Bible tells us, do not be afraid. Do not let fear paralyze you. It's the angels Gabriel's first words to Mary and the angels first words to the shepherds. And that Jesus told the disciples, we are not alone. We have the Holy Spirit. We made a decision a couple of weeks ago to close the studio, which is our preschool room in the Vineyard Kids, halfway through our Sunday program. It was, it was cold and it was getting colder. It broke my heart to do it, and that took me by surprise. Our Sunday mornings can be full, they can be long, and I had imagined that to set down one room earlier and quicker and normal might be a welcome one. But instead, I mourned having to do it. For the parents and the carers that had to pick up, but mainly for the fact it meant that the children didn't hear the message that morning. It was about the shepherds, about how God chose the lowest in society to tell the good news to first. How God's kingdom can turn our society upside down. As I reflected on this, I realized that it had broken my heart because my purpose in life, my purpose within God's purpose for this world, is to point people towards Jesus. Much like the arrow points from the story of the baby Jesus to the return of Jesus. I don't think that's new. I don't think it's since I started on staff here. I think it's always been my purpose since the day I gave my life to Jesus. And always will be. It might be that it's yours too. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your talents are. We can all be light to the world, salt to the earth. So if you're like me, if you're questioning what the point of Christmas is, whether the church calendar just got it really wrong, 
I hope you will remember that the arrow pointing forward to what happened then, what happens in the future, and what happens now. For all the church can be divided on, it stands together as the bride of Christ at Christmas to say that a great miracle happened and and is yet to be completed. We would do well to remember these words from Sally Lloyd-Jones in her message for Christmas. And what does God say? That because of the baby born in Bethlehem, death doesn't have the last word. Life does. Despair doesn't have the last word. Hope does. Hatred doesn't have the last word. Love does. If we hold all of this intention, we are active waiters. We pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, come Holy Spirit. And ultimately we pray, the penultimate verse in the Bible, come Lord Jesus. Can I ask you to stand? 